This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Lorenz, Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, and Omnia Fishing. Hit him with the hook, Jeffries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live. Hey, we got through the first day yesterday with a very uh, interesting and informative interview with Mike Iaconelli. Big shout out to Ike for taking over an hour out of his uh, out of his busy schedule. And one of the things that I took from that interview, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, uh, I thought it was interesting, was the secret meeting that took place between some of the biggest names in the bass fishing game back in the day, back in the early 2000s when ESPN took over where those guys said, man, how can we make more money doing this? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall uh in that in that meeting uh we have another great show lined up for the second guest and you know last year i got a lot of questions as as i took over the show for for mark jeffries says hey how am i gonna do this by myself am i gonna have co-hosts am i gonna am i gonna bring regular people in i think we had some regular guests in studio obviously bradley hallman and he'll, he'll be a little bit less in studio since our schedules will not align quite as nicely mainly because he's better at catching fish than I am. And he made the Bassmaster Elite Series in 2023. But we will get Bradley in studio and get him on before uh, before he takes off. Uh, I think they start down in Florida here in a couple months. Uh, we also had Ken Duke on regularly. Uh, Pete Robbins was on a couple times. We'll have those guys back on too. But one of the guys that I really enjoyed talking with uh, over the last couple of years has been Matt Steffen, uh, MLF Invitational Angler, uh, Perennial Cup Qualifier, uh, and I guess his percentage of championships qualified for will never change. He'll always be like at 80% now since they don't have a championship going into next year. I guess there's a there's a plus on that there too. But uh, I, I talked with Matt and I said, dude, I said, uh, I said, people seem to enjoy you. You got a lot going on. I think we have good direction. How about a quarterly appearance on BTL in 2022? And he said, bring it on. So there's Matt Steffen for his first quarter appearance on BTL. Hopefully we'll have you on more, which means that you win in uh, one of the invitationals this year, Matt. Man, that's that would be phenomenal. You know, just hearing you say that we're not going to have a championship, it's a little sad. Like, it still hasn't sunk in yet that uh, I'm not, you know, I'm getting ready to start the year. And it's like all your your whole focus is on the end goal. So it's kind of weird that the end goal is not a championship. So now, what is the end goal now? Well, the end goal is obviously to move up to the next level. I mean, I at this point in my career, the the goal is to do whatever I need to do to get to the next level. And at this point, uh, you know, I I really can't say I have one preference over the other in terms of whether it's the BPT or Bassmaster Elite. You know, I would love to fish both. I would love to fish both at some point in my career. Yeah. Uh, right now, I think the way it's set up for me this year, the best, uh, the best chance for me was to stay with where I was at now, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't change in the future, but you know, the, the, the goal is I got to get to the next level. You know, I, it's, it's, it, it's 
a tough position for a lot of anglers like myself who we felt like we we had made it right we were fishing right. the flw tour we were at the top level you know de depending on what the fans thought some thought flw tour was the top some thought the elites were the top but in reality they were almost identical when you looked at payouts and you know sponsor money everything was at one point very very similar and uh at this point it's it's not really that way anymore so for myself, I and a lot of the other anglers like myself that have been around, you know, this is going to be my 13th season fishing uh, at the professional level. And it mm -hmm. really comes down to how do we get to the next level to really get our career back on track from a fishing standpoint. So top nine. Is it the nine? Do they do eight or nine right. next year? Top, top, top eight. Top eight. So top eight is mission accomplished. I, I imagine also winning one. You've been right there before, like winning one and making the Red Crest, which is, I think, $300,000 yep. and every winner gets in the Red Crest. So there will be some of the invitational anglers in the uh, in the Red Crest this year. Well, six of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, winning winning one is a bonus, right? Like mm -hmm. that's something that obviously is the goal of every tournament. But at this point, you, I gotta, I gotta get to the next level. I gotta get back to where I was at, and that right now for this year, that means the BPT is the goal. Yeah, I mean, you looked at all the different options, but uh, you are a, a family man. You have a young family, and you, you, you're not going to make certain sacrifices to fish something that affects that. So, I mean, when you looked at it, that invitational schedule. I don't know if you even talked about that, but that was one of yeah, the catalysts it, too. I mean, obviously family is a huge thing yeah. for me. You know, I'm one of the guys like I had, uh, what year was it? 2016. We ended at Lake St. Clair. My wife's due date for our first child was during that tournament. So like I had it set up where, you know, I had my brother come with me, you know, I was, I had like flight set up, you know, if it meant I missed the tournament and missed the championship because of it, like that was the, I'm one of the guys that would have said, I'm going, I don't want to miss this. A lot of other anglers, you know, at that time I talked to and they're like, how could you, you're throwing away the entire season if you miss that. And I totally get it. But family to me is a, it's a huge thing. It, it was, it's, you know, growing up as a kid, my parents installed that into us that, you know, family's family, they're people you can rely on. And there's things in this life that I don't, I don't want to miss. So, uh, you know, to, <laughs> that has affected my career to a point, you know, I truly feel like I have, I think over the 13 years I've gone to, I think I've pre-practiced for two or three tournaments and two of those were a forest wood cup. So, I mean, there was like guaranteed money yeah. that was already going to be paid for those. Uh, it, it just is one of those things where when you live in Wisconsin to go like pre-practice or to go to a tournament, isn't just being gone for a week. It's actually like two weeks. So I'm already mm -hmm. gone for a, a lot of time and there's you know with my kids being uh hank is seven and duke is five right now so i mean you're talking about two youngsters that i go away for a week and i come back and i'm like who are you i mean they're like three inches taller and they've changed so much over that one week period that i would rather be home now and miss more time when they're a little older versus uh be gone more and you know, be home more yeah. when they're older, when they don't want to spend time with me. So it's just, it's one of those things where, yes, that was a big part of the equation being that the opens were nine tournaments versus uh, the invitationals, which really are almost more like five instead of six, because one of them is over on lacrosse, which is only a two hour drive away. I've got fam I, my wife's family. 
is over there. So we've got a place to stay. So that's more of like a fun event as a whole that the family's going to be at. But yeah, I looked at a lot. I looked at that. And again, I'm, I'm okay fishing nine tournaments. Like I'm yeah. fine with that. But when I looked at the schedule, there were a couple of dates that conflicted with some things. Um, you know, I'm a numbers guy. That's what I've always done. And when I break it down, I knew with the way major league fishing was setting up the invitationals, allowing the BPT anglers to come in and cherry pick a few events that was going to limit the number of guys that could fish all six. So, you know, I think we're starting the year with 140 ish, 138, 140 that are fishing all six. So the reality is the eight guys that are going to qualify for BPT are fishing all six. I don't think you can be in the top eight and miss a tournament. Like, I just don't know that that can happen. You could potentially qualify for the championship in the old day. Like Anthony Gagliardi did it the one year where he, uh, he missed, I think Okeechobee and he, he ended up qualifying for Lake Murray. I think that Forest Wood cup, I think that was the one that he won. Yeah. I think Kevin short did it on the elite series. So it's, it's doable to make it, but I don't think you can qualify to be in the top eight. So, you know, from a number standpoint, I got to be in the top eight out of about 140 guys Percentage-wise, that's a lot better than being in what the for the opens the top nine out of what are yep. they up to? One hundred seventy-five guys, something like yep. that. So that's right. <laughs> you know, and I think I think from both league standpoints, you're going to have dropout percentage. You know, right now because we don't have a championship, I think it's going to be similar to the opens where if guys don't have a shot at making that top ten. Or, you know, having a shop and moving up to the next level after two or three events, you're going to see guys dropping out. So maybe it comes out to being roughly the same percentage. And I, I do feel like from an expense standpoint, it's a little bit more expensive to fish the invitationals, but it's really not that much more because of all the additional travel expenses to fish nine events with the opens, even with the cheaper entry fee. So there's a, there's a whole pile Give of things take. that take into account. You know, I really... I think one thing that we noticed when all of this went down with respect to the pro circuit being changed is it just basically forced guys to say, what are my goals? Where do I want to get? Because everything was so even, it's almost like, well, if if you really want to fish the elites, this is your time probably to go over there. And there's a lot of pro circuit guys slash old FLW tour guys that are now fishing the opens this season. And, and for myself, I just kind of was like, you know what? I want to see what happens for a year. I'm going to kind of let everything just settle out. You know, I feel like I I have one year here. I really, really like the schedule for the uh, invitationals. And I did not like the schedule at all for the opens, which generally for me, doesn't matter. You know, everything's a 16 hour drive and very rarely do I get to fish one in my backyard. So having one in lacrosse was definitely something that uh, I won't, didn't make my decision, but it, it, it's something that excited me, but really the, the entire invitational schedule is, looks like fun to me. It's a lot of power fishing, shallow water, like Okeechobee, like you and uh, Oklahoma should be cool. Uh, you know, we go to Clark's Hill in the spring and, and end of February, early March, that should set up pretty decent. Uh, Potomac River, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it fits my style of fishing. Lake of the Ozarks the in May. Season. Yep. That should be, be I mean, that should be a, I would think that's going to be a spawning event. I would think in a lot of fish shallow, a lot of big fish setting up around docks and points and 
we'll see. I've never fished it before, but I'm I'm excited to go and fish that one. I'm really excited to fish the you follow one in your backyard. Like I feel like that's uh that lake is gonna get I don't want to say exposed because everyone in Oklahoma knows it. It just doesn't have the faci- hasn't has it. I don't know what they're gonna do. It doesn't have the facilities to hold that major tournament. I don't know what their plan is for for this year, I thought, but it's I thought they built some giant ramp. Somebody told me they built a giant ramp, and that's why like every circuit's going there this year. I think there's, uh, I think there's maybe a catalyst. So I think here's, this is just my opinion and talking with some of the different organizations. I think there is a desire to go to Oklahoma because of, of how well uh, the classic and the uh, FLW tour events have done in Oklahoma, as far as attendance, diehard uh, bass anglers, tournament bass anglers, and the quality of the fishery. And you can also go there kind of early in the year. Cause it's right on that Mendroza line. You know, you, it's, it doesn't freeze, but it gets cold. It's not Florida. Uh, but, if you really look at it, the two venues, uh, the three venues that are available are the Arkansas River, which are earlier in, in the year is a total crapshoot. Uh, and you know what you're going to get there. And then Lake Texoma uh, and Grand. Uh, and I think Grand has been really overfished from a major tournament standpoint over the last five or six years, especially with all the team tournaments and giant tournaments. But you there i think everyone said well where else could we go what other fisheries are there and you know fort gibson's we've had opens and stuff it's a little small for that it, well you follow a hundred thousand acres it's got every single style it's got largemouth smallmouth and spotted bass you could win a tournament flipping in two foot of water you could win a tournament drop shotting or throwing a football head and brush in 20 foot of water you could have top tens 50 miles apart there will be in all of these events the entire fishery is in play it's massive a lot of quality fish that 16 to 20 pound bags uh but i think it was just trying to get the venue there so they obviously figured that out so i think the mpfl scheduled to go there the bassmaster opens are scheduled to go there and then the invitationals are scheduled to go there as well this year so people know about you in oklahoma we'll get we'll get the oaky okies will get like kind of one year of of uh of maybe a little home home field advantage because it's rare that you go to a fishery that 95 percent of the people haven't been to and you fall is a massive fishery and i would say that's the case yeah, and I think that's one reason I'm excited to go there. It's always fun. It's always fun to go to a new lake. You've always got this idea that the fishing is better, right? In a new spot. It is at Eufaula. It's dang lake. good. Yeah, and that's what that's one reason I'm excited to get there. I like to go to places where everyone in the field doesn't already kind of know what they're gonna do. In this mm-hmm. case, it's like, man, I look at a map and I'm like, this is one where I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick some areas out versus getting there and seeing the whole lake because i don't know that i can see the whole lake in a couple of days of practice so it's it, i think that's one that i think should be fun it looks uh it just sets up well for my style i could be completely i could be completely wrong generally when i generally when i go to places that i i think are going to set up good for me are those are some of my worst tournaments and when i go to yeah. lakes that i'm not excited to go to or just that i feel like are going to be tough fisheries i do well in those so We'll see. We'll we'll really see. But you know, going back to your initial question, there's a lot of factors. Every angler has different reasons for choosing where they want to fish. And you know, I I like I said before, you know, this was my decision for this year. But I think every angler right now is looking at it, at, looking at the upcoming season as a as a one year deal. Like I mean, things can change real fast in this. We could uh, you can see some changes potentially come to the opens that are going to make people lean one way or the other. NPFL keeps coming out with uh, 
different things and you I don't know, think maybe we've heard the last of that I, I mean i think they're right now their focus is on field size yeah yeah i don't know do you know where they're at right now in terms of field size uh i, I, I think I that there's like no no they're steadily growing um okay. they're steadily growing up, up past that but but i mean they're offering a hundred thousand dollars for first place right now with the timing of the hundred thousand dollars i mean i think it's a, an uphill climb to get to the mm -hmm triple digits that they're shooting for but i'm i'm really pulling for them to get to a viable number uh to keep it going uh i'm assuming this is your buddy here jim moina he said didn't uh you follow used to be a poor fishery at one time oklahoma had the largemouth bass virus before i came here uh but you know i've heard stories of guys talk about grand you follow fort gibson ted killer all those fisheries where you know it'd be four or five pounds to win a tournament to top three and you'd be fishing and you know fish would just spiral up next to the boat dead but it's all rebounded <laughs> no it was really really bad like i mean i've heard, heard buddies who talked about that i'm sure there's people from oklahoma who are on here like i remember my buddy chips and when he had first started the bass fires he's sitting there fishing and fish are float like spiraling up barely alive just emaciated on the surface dying and he's like i'm trying to get one to actually eat something and they're all dying because of this virus wow yeah, that uh, hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully it's like you said, returned back to. Where no, it it, it is like for decades. It's like awesome. The only thing that that yeah. stinks is the giant smallmouth. So I think like Elam caught like an eight pound smallmouth out of there. Uh, there was like a couple year classes of smallmouth that just went bonkers, like big, like big giant ones, Matt. Like you'd be like you'd be like fishing, you'd be like, oh my gosh, it'd just be. I mean, like, ah, big small mouth. <laughs> and, and that, that's been a while since those have, since those have been in the fishery. Cause they'd be, it'd be like a foot and a half. I mean, it wasn't like small mouth, like, oh, let's, let's dangle a, a, a you know, a Berkeley power bait over the side on six pound test. It was like rock em, sock em, big, pale, ugly small mouth. Yeah. You get, you get those super long ones down there with like the large mouth mouse that are, no, just these huge. weren't like, these weren't, these weren't the Texoma oh. small mouth. These were like just, they were the, I don't know how to describe them. They were like Coosa River spots, except smallmouth on Eufaula. And there's still some left. You'll hear of a, a big one every now and then. But the vast majority of the of the uh, just freak shows, I think they literally just aged out. <laughs> well, we'll see. I I uh, I don't know if I'll be targeting them or not when I get there. It'll be interesting. Uh, you start pretty soon, though. I mean, February eighth through tenth yep. on Okeechobee. Uh, I am, I am ready to rumble. It's a uh, man. The winters in Wisconsin are such a bummer. They, uh, you know, I've got probably sixteen inches of snow on the ground. It's been, it's been relatively lukewarm, but you know, we're our averages are still like in the low twenties for highs. So I mean, it's, it's cold. And then, you know, you feel like everyone up north is always in the same boat but then like the other day my buddy you know jody white from you know mlf yeah, is over there show. he's over there pounding big smallmouth on lake champlain and putting up pictures of like the lakes in upstate new york still don't have ice on them so i'm kind of uh kind of jealous of, of that respect but the reality is you know we're going to down to okeechobee here so, uh, the end of the month we leave right around i think right around january 28th something like that so yeah, I'm excited to get down there. I I hear the water's really high, and I'll be interested to see what happened after the hurricane went through to see if some of the areas that I like to fish are completely wiped out of vegetation or whether they've grown in pretty good. But having extra water 
my experience on, on Okeechobee, when that water's high, it spreads the fish out more and the fishing's generally not as good. Now, whether okay. that's actually true or not, I don't know, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, that might be countered by the fact that if there's a lot less grass from the hurricane, that there's less areas for the fish to go. So they're still going to be bunched up and that could be the case too. But I'm, I'm expecting a little bit tougher than what it's been the last couple of times we've been there. It's interesting you mentioned that it was constant. I write down KVD, Ike, Fighter, Polinick, Clausen, Yellis, just a couple of guys. You're talking Pacific, Northwest, frozen, ice fishing stuff. And it's some of the best that have ever played the game. It's crazy how guys that aren't like, it's crazy how guys that aren't, didn't grow up in the traditional NASCAR bass fishing states have dominated this thing. Yeah, I don't know exactly why that is. I can, I, I feel like. I would almost say that because we're in areas that have a lot more species diversity, so we got the walleye, the pike, uh, muskie, you know, bass, largemouth, smallmouth. I think that that a lot of times makes a lot more well-rounded anglers because you're more adept at, at fishing a lot of different styles. And you can, mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how often I take things I learned from muskie fishing or I take things I learned from walleye fishing and apply them to lakes down south where i'm chasing spotted bass or whatever and i i do think that there's value in that you know i think fishing through the ice even has value you know it makes you makes you look at things in a different perspective so whether or not like you know the anglers from up north are better than anglers from down south i'm not going down that rabbit hole because i don't think that's necessarily the case but i do think that the anglers that you see fishing from up north or the northwest uh, that are willing to pursue a career in tournament fishing are pretty pretty solid anglers because in order for you to want to put up with the drive time and the travel expenses and all that you have to be pretty confident that you're going to be able to go and compete mm -hmm. and i and i think you know i right now i feel like there's a, a good movement of northern anglers huge uh, into the professional circuits and for the most part most of us are doing pretty good i mean there's a lot of fellow wisconsin anglers right now that uh, are doing great in the in the elite series uh there's a lot of minnesota anglers that are popping up you know and all of us have to put up with you know at 16 to 26 hour drives to get to almost mm -hmm. all of the lakes that we fish so when you look at that you're giving up additional days you're giving up more travel expenses you know everything is more expensive to do it so you know, maybe it's guys try it and the guys that don't last are gone in a year or two because they realize how expensive it is and we don't really ever hear about them. But in reality, I think that the anglers from up north that make a career out of this generally are pretty, pretty legitimate anglers. Is uh is Monsoor the OG Wisconsin guy? Like is if you were to say like the the biggest pro in professional bass fishing name to, to come out of Wisconsin, the original, the first guy is Tom got to be leading yeah. that way. Yeah, Tom. Tom is for sure the uh, the OG of Wisconsin. I mean, there's some, there are a lot of phenomenal Wisconsin anglers yeah. that, uh, you know, have have done things in terms of like national, like uh, federation stuff and yeah. and that type of thing. But in terms of fishing the, like the Bassmaster FLW, Tom is definitely that that guy. But right now, I mean, I feel like I could probably rattle off ten anglers from the Upper Midwest that are, that are doing just fine. Yeah, Freilich was a South Dakota, I think. South Dakota, Jamie yeah. Freilich. I always remember he would go up on stage with like a three quarters of a can of dip in. 
You ever remember that when he would go up? Like it was like his point. Like it was like every day he added a little bit extra pinch, and by the end of the year, he just was horseshoeing an entire can. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever happened to Jamie? I think I, he know, still fishes. I, I think his dad him. fishes still. I think huh. it Mo- Monty Freilich, maybe. I think he's big in the Bass Nation. I could be wrong still, on that, but I think I've over, seen the name. Uh, yeah, I need to catch up with him. Guys, I want to catch up with. Well, I got a list of guys I want to catch up with. I want to give everyone some ideas. I'll keep that under my hat for now. But that's going to be a some upcoming features on BTL or long forgotten guys who have no, uh, I have found that people without skin in the game are more likely to tell, uh, to tell stories for lack of a better term. I I would say you're probably spot on with that. And I'd like to hear some of those stories. Well, you just might be able to Matt. All right. We're (laughs) going to take our first break the show before I do. I want to uh, draw everyone's attention. So I pay, I kind of pay attention to what goes on on Lake Hartwell. It's my, it's it's surpassed grand. It's my favorite lake in the country. I just like it. I just love Lake Hartwell. Between the opens of the Bass Nations and everything I fished out there. Anyway, the Bass University is going to be in Anderson, South Carolina. And I was talking with Rich about this. And uh, it is this weekend. So in person. So they had a couple tough years because they had to shut it down for COVID. But they're back and running like in person. Have you ever done a Bass, been to a Bass University or done one, Matt? No, I have not. I have not. It's it's pretty legit. You can tell like the good seminars because the other pros that are there, typically they'll like just like leave and go take care of business or whatever. But like the one I went to at Tulsa, like when Jason did his, like all the other pros stayed in the back and watched. Yeah. Uh yeah. It, it, it's good stuff. But anyway, uh Drew Benton, Drew Cook, Freddie Boom Boomer Banis, uh Brian Schmidt, John Murray, and John Cruz this weekend. Not we're not sponsored by the Bass University or anything. I just saw it was in Anderson. So if you're looking for something to do this weekend, I think it's pretty reasonably priced for two full days. You can go hang out and badger those guys with questions and seminars. So it's on uh uh the Bass University. I just typed in the Bass University and it comes up the Bass University fishing classes and stuff, and you sign up for it. So check that out. Also, Ken Duke, uh like I said, a regular on the show, we'll have him back on. He came out with like three or four episodes of the Big Bass Podcast. You need to check that out, Matt. I will. I'm, I will. I'm convinced. So the very first episode was about a dude who caught one like in the, I want to say, not early 19, 18, late 1800s, 1900s anyway. He caught a 23 and a half pounder. And he did like the, I don't want to give the whole episode away, but he talks about the measurements and it was in Florida. He actually like sent the skull off to what would become field and stream. And they had the measurements of the skull. And then Terry Batista, who does bass fishing archives was with Ken and he's got this other formula and they plug the fish into the formula and it freaking matched. And they, so they have the actual skull right now. They don't know where the skull is, but they have the dimensions of the skull from the guy who's the editor of that magazine and like everything checks out like and this guy was like legit and can it's a it's an interesting episode like I'm I'm convinced that it but anyway, just go check that out. There's like that that type of stuff is something that's interested me for such a long time, you know, we're especially in the musky world, you know, growing up up north here, I am so infatuated with the musky uh, world records, you know, and, and listening to all the different stories. I've talked to a lot of guys that have written a bunch of books on, uh, the whole, like what the actual world record muskie is, you know, you've got the Louis Sprague muskie, which is like 69 pounds, which some organizations recognize as the real one. But a lot of people think 
that that fish was actually caught by Al Capone or some of Al Capone's cronies and he couldn't take it to the DNR to get certified because the DNR was after him and they were always having gun but like gun shootouts up in the Hayward Wisconsin area there the stories around this stuff is crazy and I mean there's there's a bunch of stories I believe surrounding the George Perry 22 pound four ounce I think they dive into that well. they're gonna dive into so, that I got like that, on to I love that stuff. I yeah, love no. that stuff. That okay, you're going to like this then. So Ranella, Steve Ranella from Meat Eater, yeah. was on uh, Rogan. And, you know, Ranella got Rogan into the hunting, and then they kind of have the, the back and forth thing. It's probably the most mainstream outdoors, most beneficial for outdoors when Steve Ranella's yeah. on with with uh, with Joe Rogan on the podcast. But they had a, a little segment recently about the uh, world, world record uh, whitetail antlers and all that. Anyway. That led me down a wormhole on YouTube where I found an, and he talked about some buck or something, but it looked funky. It looked jacked up and it was out of Traverse City, Michigan, supposedly, and it didn't count. So that led me to another podcast, to another podcast, to a hunting deal. And uh, long story short, I just went down the, the world record deer like typical right not non-typical and i got on this deal where this uh, this dude is like a biologist who like officially scored racks um and what he talked about was in his years like so for 20 years what he would do is go to sports shows and then be bringing your mount and then he'd tell you what your score was if any of this terminology is wrong don't hang me out to dry folks you get the gist of it i, I said i'm not a hunter i actually my buddy arrowed up like a 160 couple days ago called me up 20 minutes from my house he's like come take pictures and help me drag it out it was the first time i'd been up close with a real dead buck uh but what he said and i thought this was interesting was he goes dude he goes i've talked to all these guys and he said a lot of what i have found over the years in general he said they're exceptions but the true big buck specialists the guys who kill an abnormal amount you know of big bucks trophy clear deck cl class deer he said he's shocked at how they're not good woodsmen. He said he could like point to him and be like, what kind of tree is that? And they'd be like, I don't know. He goes, and you would think that those guys would be the best at it, would be the best type of woodsmen. But he said they're actually shockingly poor, but they kill the most giant deer. And I was trying to think like, has there ever been a true big bass specialist that has excelled in the tournament world? Or is that kind of true too? Like if you are a, a big bass specialist, are you inept or not inept, but are you underdeveloped in patterns and finding fish and competing in tournaments and surviving and cashing checks and making championships because your skill set is just one avenue? Like name me a big bass, a, a big bass specialist that has that has a, a, a tournament career as well. I mean, there are there are definitely tournament anglers that catch more big bass awards, and I think they're they're better at it. I mean, you look at guys like Kelly Jordan who have done it for years. Yeah, but he's he's a tournament guy who catches big bass. I'm talking about a well, big bass guy who is then. That, so that's what I'm saying. So like I, I mean, I think if you're truly looking for world class fish, you're not. I think it's a different mindset and it's a different type of angler. Meaning, you know, like if you want to fish tournaments, going out and catching one eight pounder is going to end you up in last place if you catch one fish the entire time. Like you got to go out and figure out ways to catch tournament competing limits. And 
you know, I, I would also state that, you know, when, when I think of the big bass hunters that are out there that are chasing world record smallmouth or chasing, you know, world record largemouth over the years, that a lot of them are so dang secretive that they don't like, I don't know that they have any interest in the tournament world as it is. They, they're looking to go out, catch that giant. And I mean, I think a lot of them would catch the giant and wouldn't even like, they would take pictures, say they caught it and let it go. And that it, it would never even be a certified to be a world record. Cause a lot of those individuals just don't want to give up the lake or give up yeah. the information <laughs> regarding it. Right now is real interesting. I, th I feel like the last big bass boom we had uh, was Dixon and and Dottie and those guys when you first got in. I mean, those fish were, uh, it was, you know, a yearly thing. Then the whole Mike Long thing happened, which was absolutely insane. We actually had, you know, Kellen Ellis, the guy who caught him, who nabbed him yeah. on the show. Like, Cabe, hey, it was the most surreal thing I've ever ever seen. It was it was crazy. Go back and watch that episode. It's It's insane. Uh, but right now with, uh, I see, you know, Ben Milliken's making the rounds on all the shows now. And I talk with him and you've got what Oliver Nye's doing with big bass dreams and Josh Jones. And there's a handful of, uh, obviously with what's going down at OHIV and stuff. I think this is like the second boom of big bass. Like, I don't think we've seen it, what we're in right now. I don't think we've seen it in a decade. And now there's yeah, social I mean, media and now it's public. And now you've got, I mean, it's crazy what you're seeing. There, there are definitely a couple of lakes popping off with respect to largemouth and smallmouth, and there are definitely some anglers that are chasing those giant fish right now. And there's but, rivalries. Like, they hate each other, yeah. Matt. Like, they might not say what? it, but, I mean, you could read between the lines here. These guys don't like it, what Dude. other guys. Just look at the titles of the videos. I mean, they're direct shots at each other. Matt, I'll tell you, like – one of my favorite things to do is chase giant smallmouth bass in Wisconsin. Like I truly believe that I've got, I've got some areas and lakes that I think potentially I could pump out a state record smallmouth, like late fall fishing. My thing, like I, this is what I love. It's what I love to do. And I'll tell you, there's a handful of us in Wisconsin that like to do this and it's not that we don't get along. We're all buddies, right? But when it comes down to it, it's like, you stay where you're at. I'll stay where I'm at. I don't want to see you over here. Like there's, there's, it's a different, it's a whole different competitive aspect. It's not tournament fishing. It's, it's like a personal thing. Like, and when a lake gets out, it's, it's a, it's a little hurtful because all of a sudden everyone shows up and you're like, man, I had a shot. And now everyone's got a shot. And it's it's a different mindset, like, but I think there, I it's it's very understandable to me. I mean, there's there's guys that like to catch big ones, and there's like guys that like to fish tournaments, and there's guys that like to fish numbers. And if you're if you're a hardcore guy that likes to catch big ones, you're it's a different breed of, of individual. I'm trying to think of the book, I read a book about it when I was a kid. I don't think it's, I don't think it's Bass Madness. That was more about the Bassmaster Classic, the one that Ken Schultz wrote back in like the mid 2000s yeah. i don't know maybe i'll think about it all right we gotta take a break matt we'll see if the commercials work today they kind of worked <laughs> yesterday kind of been struggling with that for the uh for the while but uh matt stefan and you can tell that it's matt stefan because i have a handy dandy sign in the background in the studio if you're listening on itunes you can't see it i'm very proud of that it, now that sign looks fairly professional doesn't it 
I lo- I love it. I mean, I I tell you, I've looked at it three or four times while we're doing this, and it, and it makes me smile. It makes me feel yeah. important. That was like nine dollars at uh, Walmart. I like it, and it, I really do like it. It's the cheapest feeling, and the numbers barely stay in on the thing. <laughs> but then you hang it up, and you're like, "Boy, that looks." And, and it even lights up. But I don't have the eight AA batteries in the house to put in there. So eventually, that will be lit up, and there'll be cattails behind me here. I'm just waiting for them to go fifty percent off. You totally just jinxed yourself. Like letters are going to start falling off while we're doing the podcast. That would very be well, maybe. I also I also <laughs> realize that I have to limit. I either have to have people on with short nicknames or I have to limit the last name of people that I have on or we might have an issue. <laughs> That's good too. That's All true. right. BTL on a Tuesday, January 10th with Matt Steffen. We'll be back right after this. Introducing HDS Pro. Watch fish reacting to your lure live with Active Target 2. Get game-changing clarity in the megahertz range with the new Active Imaging HD Sonar. Find the richest fishing spots with CMAPS charts. Take full control of your boat with the ultimate fishing system. HDS Pro. The more you see, the more you catch. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough. And I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got no pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water member. Brain. That's 30K, baby. 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet. Super warm. If it's cold in the wintertime, you put on your Hydronaut, you're gonna be a much more comfortable person. If you don't wanna just look sexy at Dairy Queen, where your Hydronaut? We got it from small to 5X. Most rain gear does not come in that many sizes. You got waist adjusting straps. We can make it fit you. No matter what the environment is, we want you to be comfortable, we want you to be dry. You gotta check it out. It ain't gonna let you down. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns back by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. 
Try the Deep Dive app today. Look at that beast right there. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Tuesday. Matt Steffen. How many packs of soft plastics would you estimate that you have behind you? Like, like, honestly, we were just talking about, we were talking about this before, before the show started the process of building a new studio and then kind of where you do your thing and stuff. And I, I've, I've always been very impressed with how, how packed yet organized your tackle room is, Matt. Yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. You see about half of it. I mean, there's another ballpark. How many bags of unopened plastics do you think you have? I, dude, I don't know. I really, one, two, three, four. I mean, there's probably close to 20 pegs floor to ceiling, and some have one pack, some have 10 packs. So, I mean, you're looking at uh, way too many. I, now you're making me feel bad about how much plastic I have, well, it's how your, much tackle I have. It's your job. It'd be like I always say that. If you're a plumber, no one makes fun of a plumber for being like, look, you have a tool for every application. What a loser. It's the same thing at fishing. It's just different. It really, you know, there's something to be said, especially the last couple of years where we've seen with uh, the whole COVID thing. There's times you can't get the baits that you need for a mm -hmm. long period of time. So I like to have what I need and I grab basically my process is I grab what I need off the wall for a tournament, take it with me, and then I'll bring it back. If I, you know, the next tournament is a different tournament, I'll unload a lot of it, put it back on the wall and then uh, grab what I need for that event. But I, I will tell you this. I fully expect one day to come down and do the basement bait shop here and find that one of the wall, like one of the pegboards is just ripped out of the wall. Because the when I the plastic. Yeah, when I put it up there, I don't know that I actually like expected <laughs> to have that much. And uh, I don't like the my concern is I don't remember how I put it up like <sighs> And I, I feel pretty confident that not all of the screws on the pegboard are in studs. Like, I think some of them I just probably, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I'm sure one day you'll probably open up your social media or something and I'll have Disaster. a picture of it. Yeah, devastation in the basement bait shop. <laughs> all right. Uh, Okeechobee, Clarks Hill, Lake Ufala in Oklahoma, Lake of the Ozarks, Potomac River, and Mississippi River. Someone says you get one soft plastic in one color and one size, and it's the only soft plastic you can fish for the entire schedule of 2023. What are you going with? You can fish it in any number of ways, though. You can you can rig it however you want, yep. but it's one color and one bait. That's the only thing you only soft plastic it can be in your boat for this year's schedule. Man, for this I, year's I, schedule. I would. It's for me. It would be one of two baits. I'll it's got to be two. one. I did no. You got to give me one, Matt. All one right, bait. you get to pick I'm one. Gonna, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the man. It probably the the. Berkeley power bait max scent creature hog in black and blue. If not that, then it would be the the power bait pit boss four inch in black and blue or green pumpkin. For this year's schedule, I mean yeah, we're talking this you got schedule. you got uh three or four event three events that are grass fishing events. So I mean I know I'll be Texas rigging and pitching, and then uh you know you're looking at a spawn event probably on Lake of the Ozarks, a bush flipping event potentially, or like chunk rock event on Lake Eufaula, and then uh, Mississippi River and Potomac. Uh, 
Well, Clark's well, Mississippi River, Potomac, and Okeechobee are grass events. Yeah. So that'll Clark's be Hill. like flipping Clark's Hill, then you're probably looking at I mean, dragging one of those baits on a wobblehead or a Carolina rig or something like that could probably be a player. <clears throat> I like it. That's a very versatile bait. And then if you were going up north, you could even chop any of those in half lengthwise and then drop shot them. Yeah, for sure. But which is something a lot of guys are actually doing. Yeah, this like, is the first schedule that doesn't have a strictly smallmouth fishery on it that I've seen in forever. Yeah, it's been a it's been a while that we haven't had one event like in upstate New York or Lake St. Clair, which is kind of a bummer. I do like that, but uh you know, we've got one still up north, which satisfies me. And if if I had to choose a lake, it would probably be the Mississippi River. Not that I not that I'm like some <laughs> river stud. It just sets up really good for me. I've got a good track record there. I've got some, uh, uh, you know, I get over there once or twice a year and it's just, I live on the Wisconsin river, which is like a mini Mississippi river. So I just feel like I have a very good understanding of river fishing. Rivers Upper translate Midwest really river well. Fishing. Do rivers translate well across the country? I don't get to fish very, rivers very much. And then when I do, I gravitate towards areas that have no current. Yeah. So I, yeah, don't I mean, have that's to fish the, it. But once you learn the current and the seams and all that, can you take that across the country? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, current is current. The ri rivers, ri river fishing is current fishing, meaning what you're really looking for is the current, you know. And then at, once you've identified the current, at that point, you're looking for the structure that the current is is involved with, right? You know, whether it's a cut bank or you've got laydowns or a sand drop, whatever it is that you're you're looking for, the current is what actually sets the fish up. So like when you go to a place like the St. Lawrence River, you know, I've I've only been there that one time and I've took second in that event. And that was fishing water that's gin clear. Right. You know, you can see down 20 feet in places, but the fish were set up exactly how they'd be set up on my home river, or the Mississippi River. The difference is instead of being in two to four foot of water, they were in 20 to 40 foot but they're still set up in the same manner and it's all based on the current. All right. Uh, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to get into this. You're an organized guy, obviously uh, just what you did in your, your previous career, how you have things set up. Now you like to cross your T's and dot your I's. Fair assessment. Yeah, generally I get lazy once in a while and leave my T's uncrossed, but sure. I always want to say dot my T's and cross my eyes. That's why I had to pause before I said that one, but I got it right the first time. Uh, I want to ask you whether you are a, a club angler, co-angler, invitational angler, whatever. Are there certain things you do before the start of every season to, to set yourself up for success and make the fishing season, quote unquote, easier to navigate things that you can do in January and February as most people kick off, you know, February or March. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's one of the bonuses to living in a place where you have a cold winter is that you get a lot of time to do some of that organization and some of that prep work. Uh, so doing things like, you know, one of the first things I always do at the end of the season is I go through my rods, you know, everyone talks about cleaning reels, which is huge. Cleaning reels is great in terms of longevity and making sure your reels work properly. But I think a lot of times people don't take enough care of their rods and they don't look at their rods looking to see if there's chip ceramic guides or scratches. You know, there's things you can repair on a rod and rods take a little bit more time in terms of, 
you know, drying. So like during the season, if I need to replace a guide, you know, a lot of times if it's a rod that I may not need, I'll just put to the side and then I'll, I'll do the rod repair work during the winter months. Um, but that's something that I think a lot of anglers, they pay a lot of attention to the reels, but they don't necessarily look at their rods as much. So that's one thing I always do is just kind of go over my equipment. I do the, you know, I go through all my hard baits, replace hooks, get rid of rust, replace split rings. If I need to do that, you know, I, I want to make sure that when I grab a box of baits during a tournament that I'm grabbing one that has the right hooks on it, doesn't have, you know, a bent out hook or whatever. So I, I go through all that. Um, one thing that I, I do like to do, you were making comment about the wall behind me, but I always try to order what I need to start the year. So I'll go through my, my tournament schedule and I'll be like, if I'm going to Okeechobee, I better make sure I've got, you know, some heavier flipping weights and, you know, I'll go through my supply and it's like, okay, well, I've only got one, one ounce weight. I better order a couple more to make sure I've got them for the season. So I, I don't like to order tackle during the season because a lot of times you just can't get what you want, or there's plenty of times I order stuff and then it ends up showing up the day I left. You know, so it's like, then my wife's got to send it to me. It just is a, it's a pain in the butt. And it's stuff that a lot of times I feel like I can kind of take care of before the season. Uh, I do the same with my, uh, I've got a bunch of bins that I carry with me in my truck and it's just different boat supplies and boat parts and tools. And I mean, everything you can imagine, you know, whether it's electrical tape or, uh, you know, I probably have 25 different types of tape that I carry with me. Everything from like two-sided gorilla tape, just for various things. Like maybe I get to Florida and I want to mount a, a power pole button somewhere. And it's like, okay, I need my two-sided tape or some Velcro and I'll go ahead and pull that out. So I just make sure I go through my, all of the bins and make sure that I've got all of the supplies that I've used in the past to make sure I have it. Because one of the worst things is when you go to a place like in Okeechobee, where you're in the middle of nowhere, something breaks and you don't have it. And then you're driving an hour and a half to get to a, you know, a Walmart or something just mm-hmm. to get what you need. So I, I, I like to be more supplied. A lot of times my housemates that I travel with always consider me like the dad on tour. Cause I try to have everything with me versus like just winging it when I'm yeah. down there. Have you done a video on that? On, wh- on which part? I just want, no, I just want the, the, the bag. Like, okay, I'm starting it. I'm fishing the opens. I'm going to be trying to make money. Now I have a bag, but I don't know if I've got the exact right. I I mean, I have the stuff in there that screwed me in the past, like the extra thing, uh, oil, making sure I've got a a long Phillips screwdriver, flathead screwdriver. If I have to get in, you know, somewhere, uh, little connectors, electrical tape, but like, I would love a video of, Hey, this is $250. These are the types of tape you need, the bags, the screws, the wrenches, that, blah, blah, blah. You get this together, and this will get you out of 90% of the jams this year. Yeah. And you take your 250 bucks and you go to the different hardware stores or the marine stores, and you have it, and now you've got your bag. That's a good video suggestion. I just wrote it down. Okay. Uh, no, Because I, I would do I it. Not- I would do it. I haven't done one on that, but you know, what you said there is the key to it. It's things you've learned in the past, generally through errors that you made. And I mean, that's how I've, I went from carrying with me a small box of the things that I needed, you know, when I first started to now I've got two big Tupperware containers and 
part of that's because I'm still carrying that garbage that I bought for, you know, a f something to fix me 15 years ago. I'm still carrying the parts from that in case I ever think I need it again. And a lot of it is for like equipment that, you know, maybe I was running like an old Minkota Fortrix, right? So I've, I might have some extra cables for that. Well, I don't run the Minkota Fortrix anymore. I run the Lowrance Ghost, but I still carry that with me because you'd be amazed how often maybe I can use that to fix, you know, a, uh, I got to mount my tire on my trailer or something, right? So I can use some of those old parts to do some of that. So I try to carry it with me. Plus, there's plenty of times I run into people. I mean, I, you know, I gave away a, a it was a Fortrix steering cable. For the trolling motor it was a guy at one of the hotels i stayed at he was there it was a high school event and they had an older boat and i you know and i'm like what's going on guys you could tell they were struggling with it mm -hmm. and they're like we broke a cable i'm like i think i might have one of those so i went and i found it and i did in fact have one and i was happy to get rid of it because i'm like well i'm probably never going to need it for the 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 actual part that i have because i don't run that that trolling motor anymore but the point is there's lots of things like that you know i've gone from when i first started you carry a tiny little socket kit and then what you realize is you know you get out there and maybe you need a bunch of the long sockets well now i've got i don't know what it is it's like a 500 piece socket kit that's like yeah. this and this and i mean it literally weighs like 80 80 pounds i mean i i hate to get it out because it's so dang heavy but the point is i've i have yet now to ever have an issue that i don't have the part i need you know, from that kit, but it's, it's just one of those things, the more prepared you can be, the better, you know, whether it saves you practice time, whether it saves you time on your day off, whether it saves you on your drive down there. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's, uh, there's, I just carry, I just have a bunch of junk that I carry in the back that hopefully I never need, but generally speaking, you end up needing it at some point throughout the year. That's good stuff. I, I agree a hundred. I wrote down the things that I now carry that at one point I did not, and I wish I had. Number one being a pretty solid medical kit. Like, mm -hmm. I know that Polinick has the Angler's Aid. Or I was sponsored by him at one point. I don't know if it's him, but that's where I've seen it before. Like, the Angler's Aid thing. Yep. Um, Dude, I had a 75-year-old guy eat it off my back deck and rip his arm open in an open and yep. was gushing blood. And, like, I needed gloves. I needed gauze. I needed antiseptic. I needed medical tape. I needed band-aids like immediately right then. And I was like, holy crap, I don't have this. How do I not have this? And there's a boat there and I rush over and he had it. Uh, oil. I assumed, hey, I'm running a four-stroke freaking Merc. Like I, this thing's like a car. I don't have to change it. I'm 10 miles up the Chickahominy and the thing goes into guardian mode going meh, meh, and I check and I'm like low on oil and I'm like dude we're screwed I'm never gonna be able to get back in Charlie Hartley's fishing a duck blind and of course Charlie Hartley saved my butt with a quart of oil like why why did yeah. I not carry an extra quart I I carried like a, an extra gallon when I had a two-stroke but it just didn't occur yeah. to me on the four-stroke uh, a spring for my hot foot I've had that break twice now I just I just bought a couple. I just, I just was at our local Fleet Farm, which is a hardware store here in Wisconsin. I just bought a couple of big springs to carry with me because I had one break first time ever. I've never broken one. Had one break last year. It cost me a couple hours to go get a spring from the service trailers, and it was like, why do I not have that? Now I probably have like two or three in my boat, and probably two or three in my truck. Transducer cable for my forward-facing sonar. Put the trolling motor down. Cut it. I was like, why won't the trolling motor go down? No forward-facing yeah. sonar. 
well, that's a 15 minute sick, sick, but then you also make sure you have to have the zip ties. And then you also make sure that you have to have the pliers that cut the the zip ties. And you have to make sure if you have to access your box that you have a flashlight for it. Like that's what I would love to have there prepared. The other big thing that I don't think a lot of people carry that I found out in 2019 was when I had a shift actuator go out and I'm trying to flag down a boat a quarter mile away. That was my last chance to get back to weigh in with a black net. And I don't know how this guy saw me, but he saw me and I was like, why do I not have a red or orange flag or something that I can go, hey, I need some assistance over here. And if you see that or any angler sees that and there's a tournament boat waving a, 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 a visible flag, that could literally be a $100,000 difference for you. And it costs $5 to put the sucker in your boat. Yeah, you can go. Uh, uh, what was it? West Marine is a good place to get these. You know, if you fish, if you you. You probably all anglers out there should make sure that the lakes they're fishing don't have special requirements in terms of safety items to have because like the great lakes require that you carry so many different safety items and you know you go to a place like west marine they've carry kits that are coast guard approved safety kits and some of them come with flares some of them come with flare guns some of them come with flags whistles i mean safety kits like those uh like those aluminum foil looking things yep. you can pull over yourself to keep you warm. And the reality is most of us complain when we see that, right? Like now I got to go spend another hundred bucks to buy this kit. But I'll tell you what, if you're on the great lakes and you don't have that and yeah. something happens, like I, re I rescued a boat. It was like a 14 foot John boat. They were out in the middle of Sturgeon Bay. Like they were drifting from the Wisconsin side to the Michigan side because they ran out of gas and their trolling motor ran out of battery power. And I just ha I just happened to be coming across. This was for practice a couple of years ago when the uh, title championship was there. And I was like, I mean, you know, I towed them several miles back to the ramp. And I was like, guys, I'm like, you know, they were very appreciative. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I wanted to slap them all and be like, what are you doing? Like, if the wind kicks up. And I realize it's the summer, you're going to be all right. But I mean, if that water is cooler, 55 degrees or something, and you end up sinking that boat, like you're a goner. Like it's not it. So it's one of those things like, yes, you know, you need to have that safety stuff. And, you know, whether it's actually because you're in danger or just trying to flag down a competitor to make it back to weigh in, the point <laughs> is it would be better to have some of that stuff. And, you know, the more prepared you can be, the better. Clay says, Tommy Biffle pick. You need a ride? You can bring three fish. You pick them. Quote, unquote, Tommy Biffle. <laughs> uh, so the other thing, I like this. So uh, flat tires. Since I've started dating a, a barrel racer five years ago, I found that flat tires are exceedingly common. I have not had many issues of flat tires myself. I've had three issues of flat tires over the years. She seems to have one weekly. Well, so when you what, got, what is the cause of that? Where's the barrel racing part come into that? Well, it means she's towing with a lot of axles and it means there's a lot of weight in the back of it. A lot of these trailers, I don't think are exactly, I don't it's not think like horseshoe tacks or anything. No, no, like no. That. Well, yeah, no. Well, no, that you try to stay away from that because anything that's metal or anything goes in a horse's foot. So anywhere you're around a horse, you don't, you don't want metal, but it, it ends up, I think a lot of these trailers get cattywampus and they wear unevenly just because of all the yep. weight in it and bouncing and, and towing. That's just my theory on it. But anyway, I've learned how to, I've had her stuck a couple times where I wasn't able to get lug nuts off, or we had a spare tire that was the wrong size or so I've become acutely aware. And then, you know, you're driving 
Like, how many times have you been driving through a construction zone and you're like, dang, if it goes down right here, this is it. Absolute, you know what? Or you're like, all right, I'm going to be through Atlanta at 2.30 in the morning. Or you're in Memphis surrounded by semi-trucks at rush hour. I mean, just think of the city or Chicago. Think of Chicago, going through Chicago on the way through. And you're like, if I have a, a blowout here and it's catastrophic, now we've got tandem axle, so you typically could limp. Yep. But if I have to be out of my vehicle right now, like how fast can I change a tire and get back into the vehicle with the absolute utmost efficiency? And so, <laughs> so this led me down the path of, uh, a couple of years ago, my dad goes, you know, I'm there back for Christmas. And he's like, ah, do you need any tool? My dad's a big tool guy. You need any tools or anything? I said, yes, I want an uh, uh, impact drill, mm-hmm. right? Because I've had lug nuts that I couldn't get off, which then leads to the set of that. So I want to be able to NASCAR. <laughs> now it's five seconds. So I need to make sure I've got the right side of this change. Well, the Tana Maxwell trailers then, instead of having a jack that you have to try to put up and do it on it, you they've got these like little ramps with like little horseshoes in the middle of them. And then you can just back up onto the ramp, which then allows you to get it off. So then that led me to, I got stuck at a gas station on the way back from Grand Lake at midnight because I couldn't get my freaking spare tire off because I didn't have any locking pliers. And I only had one of the wrenches and it kept spinning on the bottom and it was like so then i knew the next time i had it boom you get the locking pliers on the nut now you can get your spare tire off so now i can get my spare tire off quick i can jack it i don't even have to jack it up it's completely safe i can just put that down back up six inches and i'm up put the new tire on and i'm good to go and i can do it in like seven or eight minutes but that's all because i've had absolute nightmares of hours like i've had hours and hours of like we're screwed with good Samaritans nope. helping or, you know, shredding a tire to get somewhere. The yeah, other thing dude, that's I- key is, is, uh, is a WD 40 or, or blaster product. Shout out to BOGO blaster. Yeah, dude, it's a, uh, I I'm right there with you. I've had several instances that were very similar to that. The first, the first flat tire I ever got was on the first boat I had. It was a little 18 foot skeeter. This is back in like 2002. And I was, uh, living in chicago and i was driving out of the city i was like in the northern suburbs and i had several i was with two buddies and i had several cars driving by and they're giving you the wave when they go by you know like, and yeah, like, matt you know i'm like waving no this is before oh. before the big matt stefan blew up you know before i got all famous <laughs> uh this is just back in the day and you're like oh they must be fishermen so you know all of us wave back you know we're just excited to be going fishing and after the fourth or fifth time, somebody finally gives you the roll down the window mm-hmm. sign. You roll it down. The guy's like, your wheel's on fire. And I just look back and I just, oh, I mean, I literally saw like flames coming out of the side of the, the tire. And I was like, oh, crap. And this was just a, a single axle trailer. So, you know, we ended up pulling off and, you know, it's the same process you said. We limped into a Walmart parking lot and it's like, OK, we'll get the tire off. You get the tire off. And and I think at that point, I don't think I had a a a lug nut wrench you know so we we went into walmart got that came back out get the tire off the trailer found a curb to or uh got the jack out of the truck at that point lifted it up and then you go to get the spare tire off and i'm like well now i need a socket that's a like 
a, a long one because it's down inside. So then you go back in Walmart. I think to change that tire, I went into Walmart like four or five times. And I still have parts from that that I carry with me in my containers now. But everything is a learning experience when you get a boat. You know, as much as you can grow up with it, every time boats change, trailers change, electronics change, everything changes. And all of a sudden, the you know, the parts that you thought you had for something two years ago are not the right parts anymore. So you you end up creating a pretty good collection of tools and different little tips mm -hmm. and tricks and things that you always carry with you. I mean, like you said, zip ties, dude, at this point, I carry probably six different types of zip tie with me for. I would like a so video on just things. your zip ties. Dude, they'll, they say, I mean, Will I you carry write that down. Of, Can you do a zip tie I, video, please? I'll, I'll write it down. Zip tie video. Because I just I carry, carry the long white ones. I carry some of those. You can get like giant ones that are like four foot long and they're like that thick. Really? I carry a couple, I carry a couple with me in case something ever happened to my power poles, like where they wouldn't oh, stay that's up. That's brilliant. I'm like, I've they're had so that big. Happen. I'm like, these things will last. I've ran back in with a grasshopper leg just flopping, just destroyed yeah. the hydro systems in it. Yeah, I've I've never I've never had it happen, but I've seen guys coming in with the stuff and I'm like you know, so when I like when I go to the hardware store, it's always like, well, I might have a few things I need, but I'm always looking for stuff. And I'm like, how could I use that? And when I ran into those big zip ties, I'm like, I need that. I mean, who doesn't want a giant zip tie to begin with? Yeah. But I was like, these things actually could come in really handy. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fish and stuff. We'll save that. But I always carry uh, in case because I, uh, I have. It, it I have had to get brought in before. Like I always carry two different types of coal bubbles because what if someone pulls over and you know there's a couple of real popular types of coal bubbles. Well, yep. what if your coal bubbles match your partner's coal bubbles? Well, then you're in a pickle. Yeah, yeah, it's a great. It's a. <laughs> I have. You always carry that. a weigh-in bag because if yeah. you have to switch boats, then you put all your five in your weigh-in bag and then you just step into the other boat to or have your co-angler to put it in there. Like if you don't, now you're handling five fish. Yeah. It's a, it's a very good point, especially in the opens. If you've got uh co-anglers in the back, mm -hmm. like I had yeah. a, I, I had an issue. So I had an issue where I, uh, I had a, a fairly good idea that I would be stranded that day, but I had to fish because it was the same shift actuator deal. This was the smartest thing I ever did. I pre-made a sign that I was okay, that my boat had broken down, and that I did not need help. So then when my shift actuator went out again, I was able to <laughs> pull the boat up, just toss that sign in there. Because the first time it happened, I, I was like, you know, I had to have someone else from the tournament who was with it, like, jump in the boat. But, like, I didn't have any way to, like, let people know that I was okay. I didn't have a piece of paper or pen or any of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. I carry, uh, <laughs> I carry two different jumper packs with me and jumper cables in the boat with me, like at all times. And, you know, I've got, I'm running the power pole charge. I've got, you know, I've got two, uh, just AGM starting batteries and I run my Battleborn batteries for my trolling motor. So I've, I, I've got all the power I need and I still carry all of that because I'm paranoid. And now I haven't needed them since you know, for the last several years on my own boat, but I have probably used them three or four times the last three or four years each year, because I run into people that flag me down and they're like, you know, can we get a, mm -hmm. can we get a jump from you? And it's just easier for me to hand them a jumper pack than to get the, the cables out. I want to, uh, I want it 
a uh, one of those NoCo chargers? Yeah, well, I carry one of those. Yeah. Have you used it ever? I haven't used it. I should probably use it before. I mean, I've got it. It's charged, but I mean, I, I should probably use it to make sure it works. But how do we even test that? Yeah. Uh, well, you you can drain your batteries down and, and test it, I guess. Uh, I do. I have I have one, the NoCo one, and then I've got one that's probably this big, and it's probably 30 pounds. It's almost like its own little battery. I prefer <laughs> the heavy one. It works a lot faster. The NoCo takes a little while to send some power over to the battery but in either case like what i i mean honestly in my tournaments what i've done is i just hand i hand the jumper to the boat and i say just give it back to me at weigh in so i'm not hanging around with them you know they get they get jumped they get out of there and they can go fish and it just works out same i mean same thing i carry a big tow strap like a big uh car hauling tow strap with me and that was something that i do in the winters up here because if you slide off the road and you, you somebody can pull you out uh but i've i've come to find that it's a great thing to carry in my boat too so i carry it in the boat you know like on the mississippi river i'm pulling guys off sandbars all the time or if i get stuck somebody mm-hmm. can pull me off and you know or if you need to tow somebody back in uh the tow strap works a lot better than a lot of the rope that some people end up having gosh we could go hours for this because i was just thinking i broke my trolling motor cable in the head of it at the red river. And fortunately I had needle nose that were skinny and long enough that I could go in there and disengage it. But I was literally thinking, I was like, dude, I'd be so screwed if I didn't have these needle nose because I wouldn't have had anything to go in there and disengage the, the Is locking the double, mechanism, the double, the double jointed ones. Cause those, uh, I ended up having to buy a pair of those for a similar reason to get, I, I lost some, I was doing some work on the motor and I dropped some, uh, some of the nuts like down into the base of the motor and I could not, I, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get the needle nose down there and i got to the point where i could not find something to do it because it was like it was in such a spot where if i lost it it was like gonna fall down the shaft mm-hmm. and would be lost forever so i went i went to the hardware store and bought one it's like a double jointed needle nose it's real long and it was like right in there grabbed it no i don't problem. remember why i had them but i had them in there and i was like oh we're it we got an issue because it only happened once before my, my co-angler was real handy and he's like, was up there helping with me. And I was like, I think these will work. And I was able to get it in and disengage it. And so then, you know, that was at the beginning of the day. So then I was, I was like, well, I don't, I won't lock it the rest of the day, but I was like, no, I can do it. I mean, it ended up not being that big of a deal at all, yeah. but I don't know how to restring a trolling motor cable. I should have a, a extra when I watched the guy do it. It literally took him like 15 seconds. I, sh- I was sitting there going like, I should have an extra one with the little deal on the end where when that happens, I just go, okay, here's the new one, pull it up, know how it threads and can crimp yeah. it back on. Like if that had happened at Hartwell, I'd have been screwed. I was making a hundred stops a day, Dude, but I was I'm, making I'm, like three stops a day at, at the Red River. So it wasn't a big deal, but I don't know how to thread that thing. I'm, I'm the guy that when something happens and I have to go to the boatyard. I'm like hanging over the shoulder of the repair guys to try to learn what they did, but they're always giving me the look like, yeah. give me some, like, give me some room. Let me do like, it, don't ask me questions because they can get it done so much faster on their own. But I, I'm not a super handy guy to begin with when it comes to all that, but I feel yeah, like if I. I've got the right tools or I know how to do it, I can, I can handle it. No problem. But half the time it's like, there's very specific ways to go about doing something like you just said putting a cable on and if you don't know the right way it could be like a 15 minute job turns into like a three hour affair yeah but if you do know the right way there's zero stress involved oh yeah 
Absolutely. Yep. All right. You uh you good for one more segment? Yeah, dude. As long as you want to go. All right. I try to keep these things like fairly and then I end I always look and I'm like, holy cow, we've been doing it like an hour. Does it I, feel like a long time? It doesn't feel like a long time to me. No, like, I, I mean, I was with Ike for like an hour, 30 minutes. And I was like, I mean, Ike like is, has a, not that you don't have a schedule, but like Ike's after like right at an hour, I knew it was an hour because Ike's phone started going, which to me was, hey, I got something from 930 to 1030, but call me after that. I just hope we're entertaining your viewers with our random babbling back and forth about our boat issues. That was well, not boat issues. It's preventative measures for normal things. Care. That, yeah, yeah ma maintenance care. All yeah. right, all right. We'll be back, Matt Stefan, uh, Tuesday, BTL, January tenth. We'll be back right after that. The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36-ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy-touch, soft-feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. All right, back with Matt Stefan for the final segment. And this might be uh, this might be one of the best comments we've ever received. When I ask, I don't know. Did you see? Did you see who chimed in there? What in no, the I comment section? Doctor Sarah Stefan. <laughs> oh God! What did what did she did she ask you how the cookies were? Is that what she said? No, she. I I was asking if you were good for another segment. She said, "Don't worry, he's got time." <laughs> I don't know if that's like, are you supposed to be somewhere? Is she saying like, oh god, he's on this dang live stream, but I'm waiting on him. No, she uh she's she's upstairs listening right now. So hopefully uh Okay. If, well, if she's, she's telling listening. me I got time, I got time. That means we can go all day, Matt. Oh I, well, we I got just, the studio, I got the studio in my house now. I mean, we got nothing we just to stop. Got permission. We just got permission to go along. I time. guess what I'm so I at some point I, we have to end because I'm going to the 
chili bowl tonight. It's a, I don't know how to describe it. It's some sort of big time racing thing. It's not like calf fry. Chili bowl nationals in Tulsa at the expo center where they race uh, midget, midget nationals, not actual. The vehicle is the vehicle is the chili bowl midget nationals. (laughs) Moving on. I would like to, while the, while the wife is (laughs) hold on, let me get this hobby here. That just really went downhill quickly. Um, I would like to thank uh, the Stefan family for the cookies that traveled America before making it to my doorstep. Two out of the three were delicious. The third one on my fault. So I gave, uh, like you said, you're a family bed. You actually like have your stuff together. So you send out Christmas cookies. Well, that's my, my wife. My wife likes to put it together for a bunch of uh, sponsors and people that are, are supportive of our fishing career. Anyway, literally like two hours before it arrives, I did the same thing with someone else. And they were like, hey, it came back that this address doesn't exist. And I had given you the wrong house address. Mm -hmm. So it came back to you and then you had to resend it. Yeah, you you got you got cookies that were like by the time you got them, they were probably like like a month old so were they stale or were they actually still okay two two of the there was a it was a smorgasbord of us it was a there were a lot of options a wide array of options in it and two of the three i believe fantastic the third one like i said my fault little stale it turned into crumbles yeah they were they were not very intact yeah i uh I, I, you know, when you told me that when you reached out to me saying you want, you, you wanted to give me your correct address, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of started wondering like, what else could he have had sent to his house that did not show up at his house? Like, I mean, is, was this a bigger issue where no, like, you so I had it, I had it right. So like I have, fa- I'm to the age now where 95% of my friends are married with kids with wives who send out Christmas cards like, Hey, here we are as a family unit. How's, you know? (laughs) So what I had done was I just went in on that and just copied the address that I had just sent the one other person that I had typed in. And I had flipped a couple, I had flipped numbers around in my dyslexic state. So it was only two people. Oh, just two. It was just me and somebody else. Yeah. Oh, I I thought like you were going to have like your girlfriend's like Christmas gifts showing up after christmas no no i had it dialed in oh that was not too bad yeah there it is right there you got it got it right i said uh how is this one second i said oh i said fyi i gave you the wrong address and then i said an expletive and then i said now they're gonna get (laughs) they're gonna get sent back to you and then you immediately texted me a picture of the returned cookies <laughs> yeah it was it was like shortly after i got your text they showed up and i was i was pretty excited i was like man i got cookies in the mail yeah so it uh, took, i thought about eating them and then i, I wouldn't like, have blamed oh, well, you. He knows he's getting them so i better send them back i wouldn't have blamed you uh, i did see while we're still on the topic that someone said a magnet on a long 
stick would be a fantastic tool to have in the boat with as many nooks and crannies and crevices as there are. I'm going to write that down. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. You can buy like those. I'm imagining like you buy those pointer pens, you know, that like retract into a little pen. You can like, pull yeah, them that's out got it. Like, and then you can get anything that falls in the bottom of the yeah. boat or in between the seats or under that. The other thing that I have found is handy is a, uh, my sunglasses always get loose and unscrewed and there's a bunch of little tiny things on some of the bait casting and spinning reels and stuff. So like a pair of, uh, uh, eyeglass flyer, uh, eyeglass screwdrivers. You can get like the little pack that has all the different ones. That's also come in very handy. It's the eyeglass repair kit. That's always, that's exactly what you need. I carried, I probably have, I probably have two or three of those, but they're all in different random pieces laying all over at this point that's like one of those tools you can't you i feel like you know you have and you can never find it your tiny little screwdriver to get into something Mm -hmm. josh says this episode should be sponsored by harbor freight that's that's where i bought that's where i bought the big uh 80 pound box of uh, uh of sockets was harbor freight if anyone's curious they have a giant kit I'm trying to think. So I know that Luke Palmer, I think, owns an Ace Hardware or runs one, or runs a hardware store. But I'm thinking, has there ever been a Menards, Lowe's, Home Depot? See, I grew up in the in Midwest. I know about Menards. Home Depot sponsor that's that's I, gotten into the fishing game. I've reached out to if you're if you're up in this neck of the woods, you know, we've got Menards is from Wisconsin, but Farm and uh, Fleet. Fleet Fleet Farm. Well, there's Farm and Fleet, but Fleet Farm's the bigger one. I reached out to Fleet Farm and got got no response back, unfortunately. Because the thing the thing with Fleet Farm that's so awesome is they've got they've got like the best tackle selection around. If you've ever been in one, if you need tackle and you're in like the Wisconsin area, they've got they're a full blown tackle shop as well as like you know being a Lowe's. So basically, envision going to Lowe's and then having a giant tackle selection and hunting selection. So I figured they'd be a great fit. Hopefully oh. I can work. I can make it happen at some point. So Fleet Farm and Blaine's Farm and Fleet are unrelated. My understanding is that uh, they're brothers or family members that at some point kind of got into a little tiff. Like there was one company. I don't know which was first. And then like that the dad started and then the two kids took it over and, and broke it into two separate things. I'm oh, sure sounds, a viewer out there can correct us. That sounds that, remarkably petty. I mean, like, think about problem, it. You, one guy had farm fleet farm or one guy had farm and fleet and the other guy goes, screw that guy. I'm just going to switch it around. Well, <laughs> that's how it had to go. Did it not? I mean, it was not. Well, well, the bigger question is, I don't know that there's all that many like customers out there that even care. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, if your town has a farm and fleet or your t- town has a fleet farm, you go to whichever's in your town, I guess. But I, I think fleet farm is much larger at this point. Isn't that a shoe deal too? Isn't it like Puma and Adidas were like people who like split and like had a beef with each other or something? They were like family members, I thought. I I don't know about that one offhand. It's possible. I mean, you know, once you're in the shoe business, you can't get out of that. So it makes sense to go start your own brand. I and I got to, I got to, you know, I got to tell you, Matt, I'm kind of jumping, switching a little bit. Yeah. There was an episode not too long ago where you could not remember that the gas station in Wisconsin that you need to go to to get everything you could imagine is called Quick Trip. 
I was I was upset with you. You were like rattling off all kinds of random names, but Quick Trip, Quick Trip is like everyone wants to talk about Bucky's down yeah. south, like the greatest gas station ever. Ever Quick Trip is the greatest gas station ever. If you need, you can get whatever you want from a Quick Trip. Like I've never the the loyalty of the upper Midwesterner to Quick Trip is pretty impressive, but it's because they are fantastic gas stations for lots of different reasons. So I was a little disappointed when I heard you talk about... Okay, here's like, here's the reason why, Matt, and I'm going to see if my share screen works at this point. Uh, there's a reason why. So Quick Trip came to my mind, but in Tulsa, uh, in Tulsa, look at this, we have Quick Trip with a Q. Ah, yeah. So knockoff quick trip. Yeah, no, this is, these are legit. (laughs) These are legit. So when I was talking about that episode, quick trip came to mind and I was like, no, 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 that's our big, amazing gas stations. So it's not quick trip, but this is quick trip with a K. Apparently they're brothers who are in the gas station, but no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why sorry, I didn't... sorry to take us off course on that. But, but have I, you I ever had the up. have you ever had the quick trip ribeye? Oh yeah, at some point for sure. They've uh they also carry a bunch of uh chicken breast fillets that are like wrapped around like cheese and all kinds of different filler. So you get like a it's like a dinosaur egg looking thing. They're bacon wrapped chicken breast fillets that are stuffed with filling that you can pick up there and they're they're fantastic. Dude, right. Quick Trip, Quick Trip is one of those places that, like, you know, you need to pick up a pizza. They've got fresh pizzas that you can take and bake pizzas that you can pick up if you need. You know, I they've got great bakery selection. That I don't know. It's a great, it's a great gas station. If you lived in this neck of the woods, you'd you'd be a big fan of Quick Trip. No, I hear you. I I was. I liked it. That's what I said. I was like, holy cow, you pick it up. So Mark Lamb talks. So I've got a beef with Wawa as well. <laughs> because that's that's where you'll go when you go down to Florida, right? And if yep. if I'm correct, I think where's the ones that are out in Virginia on the James River everywhere? Are those Wawas? No. Yeah, it might be actually Wawa. I think it is Wawa. Okay. They have a uh they have the like deli bakery thing where you can order like your breakfast sandwiches and stuff in there and then yeah pick them no, up. it's not wawa i know what you're talking about okay I'm very what are disappointed those? with that too no what are those though we got to figure out what the name of that gas station is there was in richmond because i spent 30 minutes in one of these one time and on a practice day because there was no instructions on how to actually order it so I was like waiting in line and everyone was like getting their stuff but I didn't know there was like a kiosk that you had to order and yeah. then, it, it, but then it was also on the East Coast, which on a work morning, people aren't exactly the most friendliest to help. So, like, I ended up just being in the way trying to figure out how do I get one of these delicious breakfast sandwiches. And then I ordered it and didn't, it was a, it was a cl- sheets, S H E E T Z. Sheets. Yep. What is with yep. gas yep. station names? Yeah. <clears throat> sheets. That, one, that was it. I was I was on the phone with my brother who lives in Atlanta and I'm like I got to get gas and I'm like I'm pulling into his sheets and he's like oh they've got good good sandwiches and blah 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 so I went in all excited the first time I ever went to one of those and 
the thing was it was so filthy like there were like sandwiches laying on the floor it was just the filthiest gas station i've <laughs> okay, ever been in but- so i did i didn't even order a sandwich i just i i went to the washroom and left i'm like i can't eat something like that like it was crazy but it was crowded there was a pile of people who were uh in line to order food at sheets that's my old, that's my one experience with sheets i don't go back there now after that it was too crazy for me it was either sheet, yes. Someone it's was saying Wawa had it sheets too, but no, I just I wish it had just been easier about. for a dummy like myself to know, like, hey, you order the breakfast sandwich here, then you pick it up here, and then it was just very confusing to me. I mean, you walk into a quick trip and they make you feel like a genius. The layout yeah. of that store is, I mean, you feel special going in there. Everything from the bathrooms are super clean, like no doors on the bathrooms. Like it's just a, it's a good, it's a, it's a. If you got to stop to get gas, Quick Trip's your place. And have with you a, you've done the, the Bucky's? Oh, yeah, I've done it a couple times, and I'm extremely disappointed. You're losing fans by saying that, Matt, including I'm me. I'm sorry, dude, but what's up, what's up with the gas station being so giant? You walk in, you're like, oh, my God, there's a whole big store in here I got to look through. But it's actually it's the, the same, same store it's four the times. same store twice, yeah, meaning – you know, if you're on the right side, everything on the left side is the same as the right side. So it's it's misleading. I'm a little upset about that. I but get they it. do have their own beef jerky. They have their own bakery. Let's, they have wait, their own candies. About, we're talking beef jerky. There's only one beef jerky company out there. Okay, buddy. Yeah, that's fair. That's Bridgeford. Bridgeford. That's fair. Best. That's funny. You made the joke about being a big deal earlier, and you were doing it kind of facetiously. And I'm like, well, you kind of are. I mean, you get paid to eat beef jerky. <laughs> There's not many people that get get to be able to say that. I yeah. I'm okay, not, the beef jerky comment was uh, that was just Ill, poorly over, planned. Over over that the was line. P- poorly planned on my part. Over they have the their line. own candies, so here are the here are the things that you need to try that's going to change your mind about Bucky's. And we could call up, we could call up Miles Berg off, and he will he'll vouch for. We, we argue about this all the time. He you is and the Miles. Biggest, yeah, he loves the. Uh, pickled quail eggs you know why he loves the pickled quail eggs matt you know why was that because of you talk talk for 20 seconds this is the beauty of having this in my house you're on your own you got some well this is awkward now guys so all yeah so going back to this bucky's thing i feel first off i feel like the name is a little wrong it it sounds and looks more like buches so bucky's doesn't quite work and then their selection of stuff's not great. Now I will say their breakfast sandwiches are pretty legit and they've got all the uh the different brisket and all of that. So I get it. I get it. If you live down there. The other We're thing two with days Bucky's, in. We're two days in on. and it's already the, paying off. You told me to rattle on, so I'm still rattling on. The other thing about Bucky's is there's like four of them in the entire country. There you go. Exactly. So let me ask you, do you have the same intestinal issues that Miles has if he eats too many of those? Because Miles will sit down and eat an entire jar of those. So these are probably six months old, but it says they're good to 2024. Is that after they're open? Oh, they they should be good for like 10, 12 years. I mean, it just smells like like a garlic, like a garlic brine. <laughs> they're not bad. I mean, I've had a few, but... Miles has weak intestines. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. So the real question is, where's the nearest Bucky's to you? I mean, you you got to go so, like 
long, me, long. You got to go down to Texas, don't you? Yeah, the nearest Bucky's for me would be uh, would be right by Louisville, Texas. So, do you buy cases of those quail eggs and bring back? Uh, I just buy two or three. It's just ironic to me that they put uh, that they put the best gas station in the world next to the worst lake in the world. Hmm. Yeah. But I would well, drive when the open was there a couple years ago. I'd drive twenty miles out of the way to go to Bucky's every morning. See that that's crazy to me. That's not like that's the nice thing about Quick Trip. There's like four in every town. Yeah. Well, so, I like, guess that's why Bucky's is you always know you're gonna have a spot to pull into though. There, it's one of those things when I drive every time I drive to Florida, like the signs for it start the one that's in Georgia, they've just built one mm-hmm. or two down in Georgia, and the signs for them start like when I'm in like Kentucky. Mm-hmm. it's like it's you're big. 12 hours away from bucky's so make sure you plan your gas accordingly yeah uh so the other things at bucky's then while we're just helping people out on this show so they <laughs> so in in the middle of the bucky's you know it's like but it's like one bucky's and then another bucky's and then like a kind of like a sandwich uh, station well it's like a cracker barrel store on steroids mm. fair assessment yeah in the middle but they've got the the sandwich station in the middle, they will have, uh, and if you're, if you're trying to impress someone, like if you're on a first or second date or you have like a business meeting, don't do this. But if you're just going down the road for the next 12 hours and give zero cares about your appearance or smell, uh, they make these foot long sausages on a stick. So picture <laughs> like fair food, but it's a, like a foot long ke- kind of kibasa sausage. And then they wrap it in a, in a moist, uh, what not? What do they call those? A burrito thing? Tortilla? Yes, tortilla. How did I forget that? They wrap it in a moist Dear tortilla, boy. and then they and then they saran wrap that, which the saran wraps a pain in the butt to get off, but it is delicious because the oils in the sausage get soaked up by the the tortilla. It is top notch. So. There have been times where I'm going down the road eating pickled quail's eggs and tortilla wrapped <laughs> sausages. Sounds like a fun trip. But you have to try one. They're unbelievably good. I will. Next time I stop, which I can't tell you when that's going to be, I will pick up a tortilla wrapped kielbasa for you. Okay. Kielbasa. Yeah. That's the only a northerner knows what that is. Uh, and then <laughs> for like dessert, for dessert, this is it. For dessert, uh, Dr. Pepper flavored cotton candy. Eating healthy on the road with 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 Matt and Matt is what this could be called. Yeah. Yet that he says that truck must smell horrible. <laughs> Dude. And that's 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 a smell that lingers the entire tournament week. Like yeah, that's one you, where you get to your destination the next day you get up to go to practice and you're like, what is that smell in here? It seeps out of your pores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like there was a direction that I thought this show was going to go today, Matt, and it was going to be a very unique direction. I think you know where I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And we just took a left turn down gas station. <laughs> we, we've gone over. <laughs> We've gone over pretty much every gas station chain in the country right now. Have we missed? Okay. Have we missed? We've got, we got a lot of people on today from all over the country. Have we missed any, have we missed any gas station chains that we need to hit this year? 
I mean, I'm a big Pilot J flying or Pilot and Flying J fan. Like they've got nice facilities, except for the fact that they're always on the highway off the interstate and their gas is like 40 cents higher than everything else. I always they, feel like I'm getting in the way of professional truckers at the at the pilot and the flying jays. Like that is I always feel like they're like, you know, civilian. Get out get out of the way. This is a trucker's truck stop. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird when you walk into one and there's a guy like in a bathrobe coming out of the shower. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's kind of an odd feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But no, the, yeah, those are those are good too. Uh oh, here's one uh that we haven't mentioned yet and and uh Drugwood Casey's. I'm a huge Casey's fan growing mm. up in Illinois. I stopped, they just put a Casey's in Shawnee, Oklahoma down the road. Big Casey's fan. The breakfast pizza, phenomenal at Casey's. Yeah, they're they're a good, they're a good gas station. They're expanding too. Last time I checked, their stock was really skyrocketing as well. Like that's a good investment to get into is gas station chains. I keep waiting for Quick Trip to go to go public, but they're a private company. Have you seen uh, I was perusing the news the other day and there was this app that went live where I don't know how you link it to your phone, but everywhere you shop, every purchase, you buy a dollar of that stock if it's available. Hmm. I have I have not heard of that, but it's an interesting concept. It's kind of like that app that rounds every purchase you make, it rounds up and then yep. it like puts the extra cents in a savings account, Yeah, which I think is kind of a cool idea. But this get, buys you a dollar. So if you shop somewhere a hundred times over the course of the year, you got a hundred dollars worth of their stock. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the idea there is good, but the, you know, when you start thinking about how much you actually got to spend to get, like, I mean, I don't know what Target stocks at right now, but say seventy five bucks. If you got to go in there and make seventy five purchases to get one share, I mean, think think about that. If if, tar if Target stock went up to one hundred and twenty five bucks. Let's say a hundred bucks and you made 30% return on your money. You made $25 on your stock, but you, but in order to get that one share, that one $75 share, what's your average purchase at target 50 bucks. Yeah. But it's just, doesn't matter how much you spend. It's a dollar. Okay. Well, that's what it does. I'm still saying if you went no, to target. I know. You probably don't. Times, All right. We got a couple more. Money. Chuck. <laughs> Chuck likes the Speedway Speedy Rewards program. Ooh. I have stopped at a Speedway. I like that. Uh, have you? I can't, you I, I can't talk about the rewards program, but I feel like Speedway was so like 1990s. I feel like they've they're really outdated in terms of gas stations. More outdated than the Pump and Munch. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan saying that the Pump and Munch—that's the place to be in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's real isn't it that i just get hosed I, I, I've, I've never been there i don't i don't know if i could stop there that's a real gas station i'm looking at it right now <laughs> What's what are you laughing I did, at? I just think it's funny. I think it's a funny, uh, funny Royal name. Royal Farms around Maryland. <clears throat> amazing chicken. Uh so also the amazing chicken. If you are an, an Oklahoma individual and you're around the Grand Lake area, uh the gas stations around the Grand Lake area have the best chicken. One of them even has frog legs. Hmm. Uh are you crying? 
I I was a little bit, yeah. Gator I, dude, Adventures I, likes the Roadrunner. Yeah, Roadrunner's okay. What's the one Sinclair? Sinclair's nothing special, is it? Huh? Sinclair, isn't that down by? Isn't that a Texas thing? Ozark or uh, Oklahoma thing? Yeah, no, these are actual gas stations. The Pump and Munch. I'm not uh, saying it's not. I just think it's a. I. I would have a hard time pulling into a Pump and Munch, to, uh, to get to get gas. I like. I I'm one. Honestly, I'm I really like to stay away from the hot food and gas stations. Also, yeah. oh, what news. are the? Uh, here's the most famous one. Every time, every I know I'm a, headed to catch giant fish. Every time I see a stripes. I don't know where that is. Amistad, uh, Falcon, down there around the the Mexican border, the stripes, and they all have ho ha homemade burrito stands and taco stands in all of the gas stations wow. down there the stripes are awesome and usually it's like one of those where you're really happy to see a gas station because you haven't seen any civilization for like 70 miles yeah well that's yeah. kind of what happens when you go all the way to amistad yeah. toledo town i mean yeah now if you can get into the famous stuff i mean you look at uh, uh what's the famous one on that's a gas station also on uh waterfront. gunnersville yeah is waterfront. that waterfront and toledo yeah. town and Yep. What the heck, James? Where's that? Oh, the new big... That's not that new on the door. Oh. That's a uh, a friend of mine. I don't know. Do you want to get into this? Probably not. A friend, a friend of mine sent it to me. A lot of people like to send me Bigfoot-related stuff. We can save that for another episode. I feel like someone's going to get to it before. If we save it for another episode, will you promise not to do it on any other podcast? I want this, Matt. I, I, I will make it. I will make it yours and yours only. But but you have some stories I want to hear, too. So what, Well, I'll, you're not going to be on until April. What do you have going on? This will take 15 minutes. We can bury it in an episode, so it probably not, won't go out to the universe. A, this, is, this is not a 15-minute discussion. Because if I'm going to share it with you, I want to hear... You were leaking some pretty crazy stuff to me. Well, it's, I'm, it's serious. This though. is a rabbit hole we're going to go down. I will save it for you. I will not... I will save it for you. Okay, I'm not... Just to be clear, I'm not like looking to share the stories, really. Well, I'm like, not meaning, either. Meaning, I'm not. I'm not like it's. 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 Well, something that, nah, you can't say that with the Bigfoot on your door behind you. There's a part of you that likes the mystique about it. No, it's intrigued. That, it's it's a buddy of mine. It's a it's a Portlandia wine advertising uh, sign, and a couple of good friends of mine own a shop in town here called taps and tackle which i talk about greatest idea ever it's a it's a tackle shop what's it called taps and tackle it's so similar it's to the pump and munch well except for this they they have a bar okay. with like with like hard to get tap beer so you go in there have a really nice like tap beer while you tackle shop so they they got this portlandia wine bigfoot sign and they gave it to me it was an That's advertising a sign fantastic idea so it is a fantastic idea. It's it's an unbelievable shop. It's a place that we 
it, you know, when you, you like you, the old uh, TV show Cheers, you walk in, everyone knows your name. Mm-hmm. When you walk into Taps and Tackle, everyone knows your name. Like every, like it's just a fishing hangout shop. Like people come and like to drink a beer and look at tackle. Yeah, because I got three stories. If if I if we're gonna actually do it right. Yeah, we can't. We cannot get into this in a short. This no. and you know, there's gonna be questions. Like this is a yeah. No, because the ghost bride story just in itself is probably twenty minutes. Dude, I and that's where I have more questions surrounding is is that. Like that's spooky. I mean, there's really not much more to it. Well, there's a lot more to that. I have a lot of questions regarding that. I mean, dude, I was the only one there. There was no one else there. See, I had somebody else with my sighting. No, I meant like there were no other vehicles in the parking lot or anything. Like it couldn't have been like there wasn't anyone that drove off. There weren't any other cars there. It was it was just me. And then you throw in the fog and the full moon and yeah. the history of the location. That's what that's what that's what's crazy to me. Like I know exactly where you're talking. So I want to hear you describe like where it was at cuz I'll be able to envision it perfectly. Yeah, no. It was Yeah, that's a whole show. Yeah, we we need to save that. It gives you it gives you reason to have me back on because I well, like here's, being a, here's what we're doing. So I, I got a lot of buddies who do evening stuff, right? Travis and Baxter and all those dudes. But I need to find a evening time. It might even be like late in the evening time. Uh, once I get the phone lines hooked up, we're going to do some evening stuff that allows. I mean, 830 in the morning, there's people like with jobs that can't call in or they can't listen live. So I need to find an evening time that doesn't step on someone else's toes that I can we can kind of do that because I can just like walk over and fire it up now. That would that be a good evening show? Like in between appearances? We could turn the lights down. I can do that too. I got fancy lights in here. You tell me when you want to do it and we'll do it. All right. You got anything else? What do you got coming up? Anything you want uh, you want people to pay attention to, look look ahead to, look forward to, Matt? Uh Man, I, I I guess I would just give a shout out for uh, the YouTube channel if people want to get more content from me. I'm always putting out daily fishing tips, uh, everything from how tos to bait hacks to all kinds of different stuff. So if people short videos, eight minute videos, usually mm-hmm. somewhere in there, and uh, all of the people that do watch, I'm very very appreciative. The channel's doing doing well continuing to grow pretty pretty good we've also started uh, i'll give a, a short plug to a, another youtube channel that i've i've helped start up which is called bass fishing declassified and that's uh myself and a bunch of other anglers where we try to give regional advice so you know if you're talking about spring fishing what's going on on tva lakes what's going on in florida what's going on in several different areas so each video is generally three or four different anglers trying to talk about different regions and whatever the topic is so it's kind of cool that we can reach out to a lot of different people from that standpoint so uh check out the bass fishing holy cow you guys are killing it over there yeah channel's growing really well we've gotten really really positive feedback we uh really started it up in like october and i think we just hit twenty thousand subscribers recently so it's uh it's doing very well it's a it's a cool it's a cool concept you know most most videos out there are about giving out tips and tricks uh you know on whatever one specific thing but because we do the regional thing it's it's kind of cool to hear how a 
a technique or a bait is working up north and how it's being used down south and what spots to look for. Because one one pet peeve of mine when it comes to a lot of YouTube videos is when you see a video that says like top five January baits. Well, top mm -hmm. five January baits for me right now are like ice fishing baits because we've got a foot of ice on the water. Whereas if you're down in Florida, that's different than what people are using in the Ozarks region and blah, blah, blah. So we try to give more regional content out. So if we give you know, our top baits for January. Well, what's the bait to use in Florida? What's the bait to use in the Ozarks? And obviously every video doesn't cover every region, but it's, you know, we try to have like four, three, four different regions, every video with different professional anglers involved. That's good stuff. Well, I think we might've set a record. That'll be hard to break for the longest show in the new studio. Currently you hold that record. Yes. Yes. That's what we've been going for the whole time. I was just trying to set the longest video time. Well, my whole thing is, as long as I'm like into it, I want to keep going. Like, I feel well, like I'm, some some interviews are 45 minutes, some hour interviews are an hour, and sometimes it goes a, it goes longer. Like, if you're trying to hit a specific time or stay to a specific time, then I don't think you get all of the squeeze out of the fruit. I got approval from my wife. Whatever you saw that fruit you're trying to squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt. Thank you. I just keep you as we go out here. So this has been. Another edition of BTL, second second show tomorrow. The most interesting man in professional bass fishing industry, Fred Kentawi, joins us from somewhere in the world. International globe trotter. Uh, I'm not sure he was telling me about this jacket that he got in Lithuania at a thrift shop the other day. And I was like, just save that for the show. <laughs> this has been another edition of BTL. We'll see everyone tomorrow. See ya. See ya.